Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Live from Liverpool, the dark paranormal. Season 10. Hi everyone and welcome back to The Dark Paranormal Season 10. First, I'd like to say a huge thank you to everyone who reached out following our debut episode, The Dolls of the Devil. It's apparently turned into one of our biggest and most popular episodes to date. And you're entirely to thank for that. So thank you very much, and I apologise for any nightmares that came off the back of it, which apparently, according to the emails anyway, quite a few of you had. Before we go into today's show, I'd like to make a few announcements first. And firstly, a big thank you to everyone who visited the website, thedarkparanormal.com. I know a few of you have already bought some t-shirts and have posted them on Facebook and Instagram, so thank you very much. Secondly, for today's episode and for the remaining episodes of Season 10, we will have an honorary co-producer, and that is three soon-to-be-four-year-old Leighton. Now, Leighton is being a brave little warrior, fighting something that puts the stories on this show in the shade, and yet he still asked his mother for a dark paranormal birthday cake, which is something I never thought I'd hear or say on this show. So, on behalf of myself, and I'm sure on behalf of everyone who listens to the show, a happy birthday, Leighton, and welcome to your new role as honorary producer of Season 10. Now, today's True Paranormal Experience discusses the difficulty in being believed when you've experienced the paranormal. It also discusses the dangers of divination and questions exactly what you can bring through. But before we get there, we need to say a quick thank you to our wonderful team over at Patreon. When you sign up to Patreon, not only do you receive these episodes both ad-free and before everyone else, but you can also gain access to the Patreon-only podcast, Dark Bites. Dark Bites releases each and every Sunday, even on the downtime between seasons. And there's a back catalogue of over 30-plus hours of Patreon-only content for you to binge. We've built a wonderful community of like-minded paranormal enthusiasts over at Patreon, and we'd love to extend an exclusive invitation just for you. Simply head over to patreon.com forward slash thedarkparanormal, just like these wonderful new team members have. P. Whalen, Priscilla Flores, Hannah Lawrence, David, Johnny Meyer, Emma Grace Barrow, Amanda Denon, David Garcia, Bree Brown, Ted, Kayleigh McKillop, Paul Richard, 
Samantha Davis, Ege Buse, Lebrea Fleming, Denise Duggan, Sydney Hosler, William Torres, Janet Hernandez, Carlos Amaral, Darren Thompson, Lisa Hurston, I Like Your Spark, Maya Trinidad, Rebecca Christinell, Kieran Hale, Brian Stevenson, Schrodinger's Paycheck, James Beckman, Winnie Harrington, Redwood Hiker, Brandy Max, Nikki Lucas, Andre Alfaro, Caroline Lockley, Kaylee Northway, Ali R, Gala De Lima, Samantha Carolan, David Ross, Jennifer Velasaka, Anne Carter, Chris Morell, Christina Peleg, Zoe Southall, KK, Adam Steinbacher, Nancy O, Olivia Wilkins, and Kelsey Murphy. Thank you so much for supporting the show, guys, and welcome to the team. I hope you enjoy all the early ad-free releases and, of course, those extra Dark Bites episodes. If you'd like to join the team, head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. But right now, it's time to lower those lights, make yourself comfortable, and most importantly, leave your disbelief at the door. As we hear all about... The Evil of Celeste. My name is Jalen, which is my real name, and feel free to use it. Before I start my story, I'd like you to know that I'm not sure if I'm a medium or any sort of psychic, but I do feel energies, and I know their intentions. I've been feeling energies as long as I can remember, even though everyone thinks I'm crazy for saying that. Before I begin, I'd like to apologise for how long this story will be, but I want to make sure I cover every detail, as this has been on my chest for quite a while now. I think I should start off with a brief background about myself. I was born in Florida, but I grew up in a small town in North Carolina, I lived in Florida for three years and in North Carolina for seven years. I then moved to Illinois in 2012, where I currently live. I've never had a paranormal encounter until I moved to Illinois. Before I continue, there are two houses that I've resided in. The first house I moved into in 2012 and the second where I currently live. I'll call the first house Aspen House, and the second house the Inverness House. When I first entered the Aspen House in June of 2012, at 11 years old, it didn't give off any bad vibes. In all honesty, it felt quite homely. And the first two weeks were uneventful. The third week, however, well, that's when things started to change. Before I mention the strange occurrences, everything I'm about to tell you now only happened to me. Never to my parents, never to my older sister or younger brother. I won't reveal the names of my family for privacy reasons, but let's call my sister Janet and let's call my brother Eric. In 2012, I was 11, Eric was 6 and Janet was 18. The first memory that comes to mind is me in my bedroom playing a game on my Nintendo DS in House 1, the Aspen House. I was completely immersed in the game when the sound of crumpling paper filled the room. I paused my game and looked up towards the sound when I saw it. A piece of paper had appeared out of thin air and slowly floated down onto my lap, 
I looked back up to the ceiling to try and find a logical explanation. I was raised in an atheist family, so I would always try and use logic and science to explain these things. There was nothing on my ceiling. Not even a ceiling fan where something from the previous owner could have been left behind. I was really confused but really curious about what just landed on my lap. I picked it up and to clarify, the paper wasn't loose leaf paper or any kind of notebook paper. It was, in fact, an index card. On one side of the card, there was writing in red marker, saying, Anna. Confused and still curious, I flipped the other side, where there was more writing, this time in pencil. It's been 11 years since this occurred, but I do remember the writing saying something along the lines of how this Anna was upset that I was somehow mad at her and she wanted to apologise by taking me to the mall. There was also some mention of the name Celeste, who I felt was negative, whilst Anna I felt was positive. The part that spooked me the most was the writing. It looked like that of a teenage girl. I sat there comparing my family's handwriting to the handwriting on the index card, but I came to the conclusion that it matched no one's. Not even my sister Janet, who was 18 at the time. At first, I did think it could have been Janet messing with me, but the index card had come, literally, from the ceiling and I had nothing above me. Plus, my door was closed all the way. I was the only person in my bedroom with no ceiling fan and a piece of paper had materialised out of thin air from the ceiling. Remember when I said that the handwriting spooked me? Well, Janet's handwriting is neat but a bit blocky. This handwriting was not blocky at all it was more freeform, and my sister never wrote like that. My handwriting has always looked like the handwriting of a nine-year-old, and it still does, so I knew that I didn't write it. The scary part is, I didn't own any markers, nor did anyone else, but one side of the index card was written in marker. I immediately sat up, and I hid the card under some shirts on my dresser and went to get my parents in the other room. I still don't know why I hid the card, as if someone would take it. I just remember feeling like I had to, or whoever, or whatever, had left it, would take it back. It was like an urge to hide the card. So I went to my parents' room where they were both relaxing. I got them to get up, and they were very sceptical about what I was describing. Nothing fell from your ceiling, so stop it, said my dad. Yes, something did, I exclaimed. I'll show you. It's in my room. I highly doubt it, my mum said. I gave her some side-eye and said, Well, I have the proof. Okay, she said. Let's go see this proof. They both got up out of bed, and followed me to my bedroom. It's right here, I said as I lifted the shirts. 
only to find the index card was not there. Wait a second, I exclaimed as I threw the shirt around. It was right here. I swear I put it right here. My dad sighed. Okay, it's probably just your imagination. You have a very creative mind and a big imagination. Are you sure you saw what you saw? I felt taken aback by this comment. Mum rolled her eyes and said, Babe, let's just go back to bed. She's obviously imagining things. To think both of the people who raised me didn't believe me made my 11-year-old self livid. I'm not imagining anything, I yelled. Why would I make this up? My parents looked at each other and made a face that in itself was a conversation. I couldn't decipher what their faces were saying, though, as I'm autistic and I have trouble with body language, facial expressions and making judgments. I'm not severely autistic, if you're wondering. I have mild autism called Asperger's syndrome. I was never told that I was autistic until I was 13. Anyway, let's get back on track. This is where my memory gets a little foggy. I don't remember if they said anything else to me before leaving, but I do remember me shutting off my DS and sitting on my bed feeling very angry. I almost didn't eat dinner that night. Anyway, let's fast forward to the following day. It's mid-afternoon and my parents and sister aren't home. Eric was somewhere in the house, but I don't remember exactly where. Presumably in his bedroom. I came downstairs to the living room. Before I continue, I'll give a brief layout of the main floor, as it will be important later in the story. The Aspen House is a two-storey, single-family home. There are five bedrooms and three and a half bathrooms, as well as a partially finished basement, which will come into play later on in this story. The main floor consisted of my dad's office tucked behind the living room, with a half-bathroom attached. To the left of the office were the stairs leading up to the second floor and the landing. Next to the stairs to the left was the dining room, where my family and I celebrated holidays such as Christmas or Thanksgiving. Directly across from the dining room was the formal living room, which is the room we would set our Christmas tree up in, but on normal days just relaxing. In between those two rooms was the front door, which was painted white and had a glass door in front of that. Nothing ever happened in the kitchen, so no need to go there, but the eating kitchen is a different story, as I'll discuss later on. As I entered the living room, I noticed something white on top of one of the shelves, one of the shelves where my parents put speakers to play music during dinner as we didn't like to eat in silence. I guess I should mention I was tall for a female 11-year-old. I guess I have my dad to thank for that. When I was 11, I was 5 foot 7. Now at 21, soon to be 22, I'm currently 5 foot 10. So I reached up to the top shelf to see what this white object was, and it was another index card with writing in small letters. Please help me. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I had a bizarre reaction to finding this card. I rushed into the kitchen and found a pencil in one of the drawers and I wrote back to Anna and placed the card back where I found it and I waited. I guess I was waiting for something to happen, but I didn't know what. A few minutes passed, and I was getting impatient. I quickly grabbed the index card to see if something had changed, but all I saw was the please help me and my scrawled response. I'm not sure why I expected something to change, especially coming from an atheist family but I've always felt different in a spiritual way that I can't really describe. It's almost like I felt the universe or some sort of higher power telling me that I'm not your standard atheist. This is one of the many reasons why I currently identify as agnostic as opposed to atheist. The next couple of days were uneventful until I was in the basement on one particular day. I was watching a TV show on MeTV that I loved to watch reruns of. It was cheesy, but what do you expect from watching a 60s TV show in the mid-2000s? I was enjoying one of the action scenes when I suddenly felt a dark presence in the room with me. For some reason, I immediately thought that it was Celeste trying to stop me from helping Anna. I didn't know why I thought that. I just felt it deep inside me. I paused the show and just sat there, afraid to look anywhere except at the TV. I could feel glaring eyes behind me. And then the presence moved past me and entered the guest kitchen, which was six feet away from me. I sat there motionless, hoping whatever it was would go away. I thought maybe if I didn't move, it would lose interest. But I thought wrong. I finally looked over towards where I felt the dark presence, and I saw it. It was a tall shadow figure with no expression. I could make out her long, curly hair and her face, and then... As it stared at me with zero emotion, it made a sound, which I can only describe as a loud whistle, as I had no sound to compare it to. I screamed, stood up, and ran up two flights of stairs to my bedroom on the second floor. I ripped the blankets off my bed, and I jumped under them. It felt like I spent an eternity under those blankets, full of fear. And let's just say that ever since then, I refused to enter that basement unless it was absolutely necessary. That night, and for three nights after, I had terrible, vivid nightmares that caused me to feel unsafe in my own home, in my own room. 
I barely slept for a week. Until I finally decided to put my foot down. On night four, I woke up sweating and with heavy breathing, as I'd just woken up from yet another nightmare. Right then and there, I knew, even at 11 years old, I'd had enough. I looked at my digital clock, which said it was two in the morning. I stood up and walked to the centre of my room. I took a deep breath. I'm not afraid of you, I said aloud. Try all you want. You can't silence Anna and you can't silence me. I will remove you from this space. You have no power here. I gulped and took three deep breaths. And then I felt it. The dark presence was coming closer to me. I could hear footsteps on the landing and they stopped right outside my bedroom door. I swallowed my fear and grabbed my collection of energy-filled rocks. Rocks apparently filled with positive energy, designed to create positivity if you have the right rocks. Being empathic has helped me find more than enough rocks needed for what I was about to do. I grabbed my rocks and opened my door. I could still feel her, but I just couldn't see her, which was fine by me. I traced the rocks all around my doorframe, giving good intentions and sealing my door with so much positivity, I hoped it would repulse any negative energy. I heard a low snarl, so I rushed back into my room and slammed the door and quickly gave my side of the door all my positive rock energy for extra protection. A normal 11-year-old wouldn't know how to do this. The only reason I believe I did this was that I felt some sort of higher power telling me exactly what to do. This higher power felt protective of me and kind, and I believe it was either my late grandfather or maybe a guardian angel trying to keep me safe. So I listened to it. Ever since then, things were quieter, but I didn't trust the peace. I had a feeling that Celeste or whoever the spirit was that was tormenting me, was still there. Four years passed and nothing major happened, and I was enjoying the bliss. I stopped communicating with Anna, but that didn't mean she stopped communicating with me. Celeste's torment towards me rarely scared me, and I was doing my best to not think about her so I wouldn't have to relive a complete nightmare. It was the summer of 2016, and I was still living in the Aspen house. I still had one more year of living in the house, but my 15-year-old self didn't know that just yet. My little brother, Eric, who was now 10 years old, asked me to try out a game he'd heard about online. It was just me and my brother now, as Janet was 21 and had moved out, though she would visit from time to time. I was chilling on the couch in the living room, scrolling through Instagram, when Eric came downstairs and asked to show me something. Out of sheer boredom, I accepted, as I had nothing better to do. He led me to the eat-in kitchen, which I mentioned earlier in the story. He took out a piece of paper and two pencils. He laid the paper on the table and took one pencil and drew four quadrants. He then wrote the words yes and no 
diagonally across from each other. I was puzzled about what he was doing. What are you doing? I asked him. He just looked at me and said, setting up the game. Watch, it's going to be so cool. He smiled from ear to ear. Usually when he does that, it's not a good thing. So I felt a little nervous. Then he put the two pencils in the centre of the paper, one as the base and the other on top, like a spinning wheel but with pencils. He then sat back in his chair and grinned at me. I gave a shy smile, feeling uncertain, but curiosity got the best of me. Even though every fibre of my being was telling me not to do this game, I really wanted to see what this was all about. He then said five words that made me uneasy. Charlie, Charlie, are you here? I felt a tightness in my chest and I realised what my brother was doing. But I didn't know how to tell him without sounding like I was crazy. So I just stayed silent as the pencil on top started to spin by itself with no one touching it. It landed on the word yes. My brother smiled, presumably because he was happy it worked. But I knew that he had no idea what he was doing. I had to say something. That's cool, Eric, but um, I'm not interested in this game. His smile dropped and his eyes filled with concern. Why? he asked. The pencil moved by itself without either of us touching it. Don't you think that's awesome? No, I said. I think it's creepy, and I think we should stop. I don't like this. He shrugged and asked another question, but I was walking away. I didn't want to hear what he was asking. I knew he found the game online, but I also knew it was anything but a game. His ten-year-old mind must have thought it was just a game, whilst my fifteen-year-old mind thought he was summoning an evil spirit into the house without even realising it. Ever since that day, things haven't been the same. I started seeing more shadows, peeking around corners, lurking in the dark. My parents thought that I was going through mental health issues and I was on multiple prescription medications. I never tried talking about my experiences with anyone else. I mean, look what my parents did. They didn't believe me and put me on medications. And when things got bad, they even put me in a mental hospital. My own family, and even my extended family, would poke jokes at each other about me and my mental state. I became secluded and barely left my bedroom. I left my room for food drinks and to use the bathroom nothing more I would be in there all day not interacting with anyone for a short amount of time I cut off communication with my friends and I never left the house I stayed like that until 2017 which was when we moved out of Aspen House and into our new house the Inverness House just five minutes away from the Aspen House to clarify, we didn't move because of anything paranormal. We moved because our lease was up, 
and the owner was selling the house for much more than we were renting it for. We also wanted our own home instead of renting. So in 2017, we bought the Inverness house and moved in. I was still paranoid about every sound the house would make since I didn't trust any piece because of what I believed was Celeste still tormenting me. A full year passed without much going on, just the occasional feeling of being watched in my sleep. I told myself that I was just freaking out and that there was a reasonable explanation. I was still secluding myself, but I was more talkative, and I started interacting with my friends more. I tried to forget everything that happened to me, but my daydreams would always consist of the growls and snarls I heard years before. I started seeing a therapist, which was actually my mother's decision, believe it or not. At first, my mum would always be in the same room with me, so I would never talk about what I really wanted to, in fear for more reasons for my mum to think I was losing touch with reality. But when I turned 18 in 2019, I was able to be alone with my therapist. As a legal adult, I was able to keep my mum and my family out of my sessions. And that's when I really started telling my therapist everything. 2019 was also the worst year for me, as more torment came. I was walking up the stairs to my bedroom one evening. It was dark outside, but I was finally getting more comfortable in the house, even with only a few lights on. I walked into my room, only to see a very dark shadow figure stood next to my bed. I couldn't tell if it was facing me or the photos I had on my wall. The room was dark, but the shadow was darker than dark. I managed to let out a small yelp and ran out of my room. I stood by the stairs for a few seconds, trying to recatch my breath. I mustered up the courage to go back into the room to see if the shadow was still there. I slowly approached the door and carefully peeked into my room, only to find no shadow. I let out a sigh of relief and entered my room. I was still on edge, but I needed to try and recreate that shadow. I needed to know what I just saw. I needed to see if it was truly paranormal. So I tried moving my blinds to bring in outdoor lighting but that just illuminated the room. I needed to figure out a reasonable explanation of how there could be a large, dark shadow that appeared to be another human being in my room. I tried everything I could think of, but I just couldn't recreate the shadow. I then grabbed my blankets and went downstairs to sleep on the couch. I wasn't going to sleep in my room that night. I always wondered why no one else experienced these things. It was like whatever it was knew it could target me and get away with it, as no one would ever believe me anyway. I could never outsmart this spirit, so they could get away with making my life a living hell, and no one could do a thing about it. The next night would be my breaking point in accepting that this would be my life. 
that next night, I was leaving my room to get a drink, and I could feel a dark presence outside my bedroom door. By this point, I was starting to accept that I would just have to deal with spirits for a long period of time, possibly even for the rest of my life. I decided to ignore the presence as I knew it wanted my attention. It wanted to scare me, to feed off my fear. I opened the door and I sensed the same energy I'd felt from Celeste at the Aspen House. I could feel her in a crawling position above my head, ready to follow me, crawling on the ceiling. I'd done my best to pay her no mind and attempted to casually go down the stairs, ignoring the spirit entirely. I could actually feel its frustration. It wanted to be acknowledged. Over time, Celeste tried again and again to feed off my fear, but I always never acknowledged her, hoping she would become weak from no fearful energy and that she would just become a minor nuisance. And I was right. Once 2020 came, Celeste never tried anything on me. I could still feel her presence everywhere I went, even at college. I would be in one of my classes and I would feel her pacing in the hallway, waiting for me to leave the room. I didn't know what she was trying to do by just pacing and waiting for me. But if it was her intention to scare me, I knew she could do better than that. Remember when I mentioned that Charlie Charlie game? Well, that spirit the game conjured, let's call him Charlie for the sake of this, was also with me. Charlie was a trickster, while Celeste was just straight up evil. Charlie's activities were playful but could also be unnerving. When I say that Charlie's a trickster spirit, that doesn't mean it's all fun and games. Tricksters don't just play pranks. They can and will harm you. I never wanted anything to do with him, so if I sense him around, I don't acknowledge him at all. That would just be looking for trouble. It's now February of 2023, and I'm managing to live with both Charlie and Celeste. My parents, even my siblings, still don't believe me. I was surprised when even Eric, who is now 17, denied having anything to do with Charlie. And he's even said, I made the whole thing up. Even though I feel unheard, I am finding peace by coexisting with the spirits. And if we can all get along, that's all I can ask for. Thank you for listening to my story, and hopefully someone out there won't be so afraid. Of the unseen. Jaylene, thank you so much for sharing your true paranormal experience with us here on the show. It's made for a hell of an episode, too. And I wouldn't be surprised if tonight's nightmares feature that woman crawling on the ceiling. That's one hell of a visual. There is also a deeper discussion to be had 
around people not being believed with regards to the paranormal. There is an amazing book out there by journalist Will Storr called Will Storr vs. the Supernatural. Within that book, he goes around the world investigating stories about the paranormal, himself a sceptic. And you go on the journey with him from sceptic to believer and back again. But one of the saddest experiences of somebody not being believed is briefly touched on within that book. He meets a man who says his wife kept claiming to see shadow people at the foot of the bed. However, both he and her family did not believe her. She ended up sadly taking her own life. And the very next night, he woke up to shadows at the end of his bed. And he was in the deepest despair that he never believed his wife at the time. It's like what we say at the end of each show. When you're discussing the paranormal, try and leave a piece of your disbelief at the door. But for now, thank you for choosing to spend your time with me here for episode 2 of season 10. For our Patreons, I'll speak to you again on Sunday for another episode of Dark Bites. And for everyone, I'll speak to you next week for episode 3 of season 10. And believe me, it's a corker. Until then, I'll reiterate that message. When you're discussing the paranormal, always try and leave some of your disbelief at the door. And I'll see you next time, here, on The Dark Paranormal. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.